Oh. Well, good morning, Harvest. Um, I'm so humbled and thankful for this opportunity here to be a part of what God is doing here in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, this is something very special, um, near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm just excited to see how I've grown so far in my faith of being here at Harvest, but also um, how each and every one of you have grown as well. Um, to be under good leadership of Jeff and Scott and Matt, our elders here, and the friendships that I've made here has been so special. So I get to be the lucky guy to preach after Jeff last week went through the distinctive of preaching. So I know some of you guys will be going back in your notes last week to make sure I'm doing everything correct. So please, please be a little easy on me. <laughs> so first off, I got a question for everybody. I want you all to think back. Some of you, this may have been 40, 50 years. Some of you, this may have been 15 to 20 minutes ago. So I want you to think um, back of when the last time you might have been in timeout or you've been put to the side and you couldn't do anything, right? So I remember growing up and my dad being the assistant basketball coach, and that's never ever fun when your dad is assistant basketball coach because what happens? Everything you do at home, at school, follows you to the basketball court, right? So I remember my dad put me <laughs> to the side for something I did at home or school, having to sit out a quarter and start a game, it's practice, whatever it may be, and how I felt when I finally got to get on the court, right? You're excited, you're ready to run out there. Um, some of you might have played freeze tag or captured the flag, and ended up being one of the unlucky ones that ended up being jailed. So do you remember what it felt like to be released, to finally get your freedom to go out? Um, in this passage here in Acts, I think we see a little bit of this with Peter and John and what they're feeling. As Jeff mentioned, our ministry goal this year at Harvest is to love Christ and to live sin. And if that's our aim in making and being disciples, then we must be ready to live this out on a daily basis. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just building your church here in Fairfax, Lord. Uh, we thank you for um, just what you're doing here in our lives. We thank you for uh, your word, uh, your people here, Lord. And we just pray that our eyes and our hearts and our ears are open to your word, that we take something away from this here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's open our Bibles. We're going to be in Acts 4, verses 23 through 31. If you can't find us, if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand when the ushers will give it to you. Also, you can follow us on the Bible app. When you have it, please say amen. If you don't have it, please say, hold on, preacher. Hold on, preacher. Thank you, Adrian. You're my man. Acts 4, verses 23 through 31. All right, so our title for today is Fervent Prayer, and our big idea for this sermon is to pray for boldness. If we're going to make disciples this year through loving Christ and living sin, there are three foundations from the text from these early believers on why we must pray for boldness. So our first foundation is what? Be on mission. So let's look at the passage. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, and by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. 
So what does someone on mission look like? First off, we see Peter and John were released. And so let's look at the first thing that they did. In verse 23, what's the first thing they did? When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So don't miss this. They were in community. The first thing we see here of people being on mission and praying for boldness is that they were in community. And here at Horace, we like to call it uncommon community. So I don't look over the fact that they immediately, when they were released, knew where to go. See, when you have just been oppressed or had a long day or you feel some type of injustice, it's easy for us to go into hibernation and to alienate ourselves from others. But this is a time we should dig into community more than ever before. At Harvest, being community is one of our discipleship vehicles that we call small groups. What a better way to share what's going on in your life and the burdens that you're bearing and a place to find community other than your small group. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6.2 to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, it's our natural tendency to alienate ourselves when we face hardship, but this is exactly what the disciples on mission do not do. They know the value of community, and they actually use it as soon as they were released. I will always remember the experiences within my small groups, the times that the guys and I have laughed and joked together, but also the times that we've cried and wept together um, as a whole, and I will never, ever forget those memories. See, it's easy to pray for boldness when I'm on mission, when I have a community around me of people who are also on mission. We are common by our love for Christ and not too many other things as well, but the disciples knew where to go to find people who were sympathetic and understood what was exactly going on. What a beautiful picture of Christ's church that we see right here. Also, not only are disciples on mission, but we also see them worship. Phil preached a couple weeks ago about worshiping. So in verses 24 through 25a, we see an excitement that leads to worship. Verses 24, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant. After returning from their detainment, they demonstrated their hearts of worship through rejoicing and praise and thankfulness. Whoa, what? Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. So this is kind of confusing, right? So after I get detained in prison for me being obedient to Christ, I worship? See, this is exactly what the disciples did. Yes, we see disciples who are on mission understand the why that they're on mission. I cannot have a heart of rejoicing in Thanksgiving if I don't get the why of being a disciple. My relationship with Christ fires me up to be a disciple for Christ. And in order to love Christ and live sin, I must get the vertical relationship right in order to live a life that's sin. So I pray for boldness when I'm on mission. Why? Because I have a community and a heart that worships the Lord. When we're on mission, we're able to boldly share our faith with our family, friends, neighbors, people we don't even know. And I'm, I'm not saying that this comes easy, and by no means do I get this right. But when I pray for boldness to have tough conversations with non-believers and with t- tough people, God gives me wisdom and strength beyond my own means. Uh, we were able to see this morning about Scott's video about how God was able to strengthen him in his weakness, and that's what we should have as well. It's been a blessing to see our students at Harvest get this. Um, every Monday, myself, Michelle, and Caitlin, we get the pleasure of uh, sitting down with our teenagers here, and we get to go through kind of what their week was like and how their day was, and we get to talk about this directly and how they're open to come in and share what's going on in their lives. And we're able to go to biblical scripture and talk about some of these principles and to see them actually be on mission for Christ in their schools and their activities. It definitely just blows me away every single week. And, exact, and this is exactly what we've been discussing and praying for is boldness because we know we're on mission. 
So I'm telling you guys, as I was preparing my sermon, my intention was not to preach through multiple pillars here at Harvest, but it seems like this is what we see exactly in God's word. And I don't think we should take that lightly, that God is actually building his church here on his word in Fairfax, Virginia. So could you imagine a church that's on mission? We're praying for boldness to speak to our neighbors, our friends, our family members, our coworkers, and people we don't even know. I'm going to caution you. This may get a little weird. It may be a little awkward, but it, I find it easy for me to talk about various other items, whether it's hunting, fishing, sports, work. Um, but when it comes to my faith, it gets a little challenging. So we need to know that we need to ask God for boldness in order in sharing our faith. So we know we pray for boldness when we're on mission, but we also pray for boldness when we see our second foundation here in Scripture, when we know who God is, 25b through 26. So why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So I'm a why type of guy. I want to know the why. Why am I doing something? Do I have any other why type of people in here? Not just the what, but you want to know the why? I love you people. I love, I love teaching people the why. You make it easy to work with. Um, so here we see the why, right? In the second half of verses 25 and 26, we see an Old Testament scripture reference. So what's its significance? They got God right because they knew their Bibles. In praying for boldness, I need to know the why I'm praying for boldness. With that, I must know who my source for boldness is. So in doing that, I must know who God is. Therefore, I need to be in my Bible regularly. The scripture reference here comes from Psalm 2, verses 1 through 2, and it describes the opposition from the Old Testament of leaders and people going against the Lord and his plan. Now, why would this be inserted in the middle of this passage? It's a point of reference. The disciples are able to remember previous scripture and how people oppose God's folks in the past to give them insight to what they're facing now. See, this is exactly what our Bible reading does for us. Not only does it allow for us to compare similar instances of past opposition against the church and scenes that we've seen before, but it also gives us a current atmosphere of what to expect. Old folks used to say, you don't know where you're going unless you know where you come from. And I truly believe that the disciples are quoting this scripture because they know exactly what they're facing and exactly what they just came out of from being detained and imprisoned. So our Bibles give us a point of reference and guidance for this Christian life and knowing our supreme ruler and who he is. See, when I know who God is from reading his word, I know he gives me strength when I'm weak, peace in the midst of the storm, justice when I don't see it, and boldness just when I need it. See, I need to be in my word every day. I don't pray for boldness when I don't know who God is, and that comes from reading my word. So when I'm in Bible, when I'm in my Bible, I know to love my neighbor and my enemies, which causes me to pray for boldness and having conversations with possibly some difficult people. But when my heart aligns with the heart of God, and I'm concerned with what he's concerned with, and those are the lost who aren't living with eternal hope, I get fired up to go and talk to my neighbor, my coworker about Jesus Christ. So I need to let them know that it's by grace through faith that I am saved and that they confess with their mouth and believe in the hearts that God has raised them for the dead that they should be saved. So we got to know our Bibles to know who God is and what he's done to know what he will do. Church, let's start living like this. Could you imagine a church that gets after this and the stories we would hear from it, from seeing God reconcile friendships and relationships from folks at Harvard saying, you know what, I know this is kind of awkward, this is kind of weird, but I'm just going to tell you what God is doing in my life. And I'm going to tell you what he's done to change my heart. Boy, what an impact we will see in our lives, and especially in this DMV area. So don't miss this, guys. This is huge. Lastly, the third foundation we see is I pray for boldness when I pray. 
Very simple. Disciples remembered what happened to Jesus not too long ago. So let's look at verses 27 and 28. For truly this city they were gathered together against your holy servant, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So we pray in humility. This is what we see, a humble prayer here. By remembering what Christ went through for those who opposed him, it gave them humility to pray for boldness. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and give you the one, two, threes of an answer prayer or how to get the place shaken, but we do see contents of a life-giving, God-glorifying prayer right here. When I get out of my own way and I cling to my own strength, but to his word and his strength, I find humility in my very limited capabilities to the ruler of this world. So it's easy for me to pray for the, what I need and the me, 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 but are you praying for anyone else? Do you have a running prayer list of names of people that you're praying for on a daily basis, coworkers, friends, or family to share the uh, gospel boldly with? So let's take another lesson from our students here. This past Monday, we were able to put up a couple names on the board of people that we wanted to invite from church. And uh, Allie and Matt and a couple other students put names up there and challenged us as leaders as well to put names of people to invite as well. And um, we're really excited to see what God is going to do. Um, and we also put on their prayer request. So we pray for, uh, we ask for God to give us boldness, for opportunities, for scheduling, availability for the folks, and open hearts for them to listen to what we have to say and what, actually what God tells us to say. So we're definitely excited to be getting after that. And uh, as leaders, it's been challenging to us to put names on the board for us to go out and be bold witnesses as well. So can I be honest with you for a minute? See, I've asked God numerous times in my life to minimize my circle. I say, God, people are just crazy. They have a lot of problems. They have a lot of issues. They burden me. They worry me. Lord, will you make my circle smaller and smaller? <laughs> and the more I get in God's word, the more and more I see that as being a selfish prayer. And I'm excited to see it actually grow more and more. Uh, I see my list getting longer and longer for people that I need to pray for. And um, it's been definitely a heart change in me to be able to see that, to pray for other people and what an honor that is. Um, see, the disciples reference back to what Christ went through to see God's plan be undefeated and to be encouraged to trust in his plan once again. I hope in this church we get, have church, uh, prayers that are filled with humility and trusting God's plan, saying, God, I know I should be obedient to you. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this conversation is going to go. I may stumble over my words, but I trust in you, for, to you to fill me with your spirit to have boldness to tell others what I can't do on my own. So lastly, in this prayer, we see them pray for obedience and to be filled. So let's look at 29 through 31. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Here we see disciples pray specifically for boldness. So I wonder why they did that. Probably because they knew what they were up against and they knew that in obedience, to God that they were going to face some unjust uh, punishment. Actually, they just went through that. Um, see, making disciples is an act of obedience to God from the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, the disciples got this. They understood this. They understood that they were on a mission, and this spurred them to pray for boldness. In verse 31, we see God answering their prayer with filling them with the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, how beautiful a picture that is. 
It's possible that this may have been encouraged by Jesus' conversation with them before his ascension in Acts 1, verse 6 to 8, and we have this on screen. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, what a promise that is, not just to the disciples back then, but also to us right now. So when we pray this week, when we attempt to have those tough conversations with those tough people, let us ask God for boldness. Let us ask him to fill us with his spirit for opportunities, for words, for conversations, for placement, so that we can be just like the disciples we see here and pray for boldness. So I want everyone to gather in groups of four to six people, right where you're at. You will stand up, gather together, and we're going to pray for boldness, right? I can't preach on prayer and we not pray. So if you stand right where you are right now, get up. Get a couple of people, and I want you all just to circle up and just pray that God fills us with his spirit to be bold, unafraid witnesses for him this week.